0: Hello, my name is Ho Jun Yoon. You're listening to Medicine on the Way. It is September 2013, this is episode number 23, and today's topic is shock. We covered pathophysiology, etiology, and clinical findings of shock in previous episode, which was number 22, and if you haven't heard that, I really encourage you to listen to that episode first before you listen to this episode. In this episode, we're going to discuss the treatment for patients with shock. We defined shock as a state of severe systemic reduction in tissue perfusion. Uh, Let me emphasize again. It's reduction in tissue perfusion. It's not hypovolemia. It's decreased perfusion, which is characterized by decreased cellular oxygen delivery and utilization and decreased removal of waste byproducts of cellular metabolism. There are four types of shock, hypovolemic, cardiogenic, distributive, and obstructive shock. There are numerous treatment algorithms established by well-known organizations. And if you want to know details about the treatment for patients with shock, I want to direct you to that those resources. Um, And in this episode, I'm going to give you brief, um, but fundamentals um, about the treatments for patients in shock. In hypovolemic shock, the main goal is to stop the bleeding or fluid loss and to replace the lost blood and fluid. So we give isotonic crystalloid, that is normal saline or lactate ringers, of 20 cc per kilo there is no proven benefit of colloid such as albumin or hypertonic which is like 7.5% over isotonic solution. Patients in hemorrhagic shock with a lot of blood loss may not respond to crystalloid infusion of even 40 cc per kilo. So we may consider blood transfusion in that case. If time allows, we can use type and cross-packed um, RBCs. However, if patients are unstable, hemody- hemodynamically unstable, we have to use transfusions immediately and we used uncross-matched O-packed RBCs. We use RBC to FFP to platelet ratio of 1 to 1 to 1 with one unit of cryoprecipitate given for every two units of RBCs. The concept of, quote, permissive hypotension requires rapid surgical intervention and remains unproven, although overly aggressive fluid resuscitation might dislodge clots, interfere with the clotting cascade, and exacerbate bleeding. The goal of resuscitation should be to maintain a reasonable perfusion while aggressively stopping the source of bleeding. In ectopic pregnancy rupture or abdominal aortic aneurysm rupture, surgery is needed. In GI bleeding, we put NG tube uh, and also we order PPH, H2 blockade for gastric bleeding and or we order octreotide. Also, endoscopy uh, should not be forgotten for upper GI bleeding. In cardiogenic shock, uh, we may find dysrhythmia. In tachydysrhythmia, we may consider cardioversion. In brady dysrhythmias, we consider transcutaneous pacing. In sinus bradycardia or second-degree type, uh, second type 1 block, we also consider atropine. MI is the most common cause of cardiogenic shock, uh, particularly by anterior STEMI and it has high mortality rate, uh, which is greater than 50%. In MI, there is pump failure from loss of myocardium, and this leads to systemic inflammatory response syndrome or surge and abnormally decreased ventricular compliance. Treatment plan includes oxygen, aspirin, heparin, and gentle fluid challenges, which we should be cautious for any overt pulmonary edema, Avoid nitrates, beta blockers, and calcium channel blockers, and delay clopidogrel for any possible emergent cabbage. Possible mechanical ventilation for a respiratory failure. Vasopressors, which include dopamine, uh, five to fifteen microgram per kilo per minute, where alpha vasoconstrictor effects predominate. Um, Nor epinephrine with high potency and efficacy and dobutamine, um, which has mild vasodilation effect and it also increases contractility of the heart. For STEMI, revascularizations within 90 minutes, that is PCI or emergent cabbage, is preferred to fibrinolysis. If revascularization is decided uh, not to be performed, fibrinolysis with vasopressors and or intra-aortic balloon pump should be considered. Intra-aortic balloon pump augments diastolic blood pressure and it increases perfusion and delivery of fibrinolytics to coronary arteries. In anaphylactic shock, which is under the category of distributive shock, early intubation is critical. If patient has difficulty airway, Surgery has to be considered. Beta agonist is used as well, such as epinephrine, 0.3 to 0.5 milligram per kilo per dose IM, and pediatric um, dose is 0.01 milligram per kilo per dose. For life-threatening symptoms, use 0.5 to 1 cc of 1 to 10,000 solution, that is 50 to 100 microgram IV slowly. For a safer and titrable infusion, mix one milligram epinephrine in two hundred fifty D five W for a four micro per liter drip and start it and start it at one to ten microgram per minute titrating to response. Aggressive fluid resuscitation is given for systemic vasodilation. And we also think H1 and H2 receptor blockade, such as diphenhydramine, 50 mg IV or IM. Pediatric dose is 1 to 2 mg per kilo. And ranitidine 50 mg IV or famotidine 20 mg. And lastly, we also think stress dose of steroids. Mild cases of anaphylactic shock, After six-hour observation, the patients can be discharged with a prescription for self-injector of epinephrine for future life-threatening symptoms. Septic shock is also under the category of distributive shock. Sepsis may induce hypotension despite of volume resuscitation. In septic shock, there is a continuum that ranges from sepsis, severe sepsis and to septic shock sepsis is defined as infection plus systemic inflammatory response syndrome the systemic inflammatory response syndrome is defined as two or more of the followings first temperature greater than 38 or lower than 36 Celsius second heart rate greater greater than 90 bits per minute. Third, respiratory rate greater than 20 breaths per minute or PaCO2 lower than 32. Fourth, uh, WBC greater than 12,000 cells or lower than 4,000 cells or greater than 10% bends. Sepsis, again, is defined as infection plus systemic inflammatory response syndrome. Severe sepsis is defined as sepsis plus organ dysfunction and hypoperfusion. In septic shock, systemic inflammatory response syndrome is associated with decreased systemic vascular response with an early hyperdynamic compensation followed by impaired contractility from myocardial depressants and hypoxemia. Elevated serum lactate level, usually greater than 4, provides early evidence of tissue hypoperfusion. Gram-negative rods may cause sepsis, and these organisms are frequently from biliary tree, urinary tract, retroperitoneum, and perirectal areas. Risk factors associated with sepsis include trauma, wounds, diabetes, extremes of age, and the immunocompromised status. General treatments for sepsis include early antibiotics, which is third and fourth generation of cephalosporin, or plus vancomycin for an immune-competent patient, additional coverage for the immunocompromised, anaerobic coverage for intra-abdominal infections, macrolide for pneumonia. Also, another treatment we should consider is draining um, abscesses. Um, sometimes amputation might be needed. Early endotracheal intubation, central venous pressures maintaining 8 to 12 mmHg, and maintaining uh, mean arterial pressures or MAP with fluid and vasopressors, and monitoring mixed venous oxygen content and maintaining it above 70%. High dose steroids have been shown to be harmful in septic shock. Aggressive glucose control insulin therapy is not recommended because of the risk for recurrent hypoglycemia. Although it is very expensive, recombinant human-activated protein C may be indicated for those with severe septic shock. Because it is associated with a significant risk of bleeding, recombinant human-activated protein C should not be used in patients with an elevated baseline risk of bleeding, those with a history of recent surgery or intracranial hemorrhage. Neurogenic shock is also under the category of distributive shock. In general, there is cervical cord spinal lesion, which leads to loss of vascular tone, and this results in hypotension and shock. Because feedback loops of autonomic ganglia is lost, there is less reflex tachycardia even in the face of hypotension. Clinical findings include warm skin, hypotension, and a variable tachycardia response. Treatment include fluid challenges of 20 cc per kilo times 2, and a reasonable endpoint is MAP greater than 90 mmHg. If this is unsuccessful, we should consider vasopressors with alpha activity. Drug induced vasodilation is also under the category of distributive shock. Examples include beta blocker and calcium channel blocker toxicity. Typical clinical findings are hypotension, warm skin without any compensatory tachycardia. We give glucagon. 5 to 10 milligram IV and infusion of glucagon 2 to 5 milligram per hour for beta blocker and calcium channel blocker toxicity, calcium gluconate 10%, 10 to 20 cc for calcium channel blocker toxicity, atropine or pacing, and also charcoal or fluid resuscitation. Our last but not the least type of shock is obstructive shock. Typical clinical scenarios include tension pneumothorax, pericardial tamponade, and massive pulmonary embolism. Tension pneumothorax can be diagnosed clinically rather than by radiographic findings. Typical clinical findings include unilateral decreased breath sounds, unilateral chest hyperresonance, and tracheal deviation in the setting of respiratory distress and shock. Immediate needle decompression is needed and chest tube thoracostomy may be performed. Pericardial tamponade is usually preceded by blunt or penetrating chest trauma with minimal bleeding into the pericardium. Uremia, malignancy may result in effusions. Clinical findings include hypotension, elevated right side pressures, pulsus paradoxus, and Kussmaul sign. Bedside ultrasound is extremely sensitive to detect pericardial tamponade, and ultrasound-guided pericardiocentesis is performed. Massive pulmonary embolism may be presented with chest pain, syncope, tachypnea, and hypotension. There is increased right ventricular overload with increased JVD and corresponding EKG findings fluid administration might worsen right ventricular failure and it should be given only when needed. Phasopressors such as norepinephrine 0.5 to 1 microgram per minute can be given. Immediate surgical embolectomy or thrombolytics should be considered. Okay, this is it for this episode. We just covered basic of shock treatment. Thank you for listening. My name is Ho Jun Yoon. This is Medicine on the Way.